الجزيره بودكاست Migrants have been rushing to the United States as Trump-era restrictions introduced during the pandemic are lifted. The Biden administration is replacing them with strict new measures. What impact will they have and how do they differ from Trump's policy? I'm Imran Khan and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests in Old Bridge, New Jersey, Richard Goodstein, a Democratic political consultant and former advisor to President Bill Clinton and Vice President Al Gore. In Tucson, Arizona, Alex Miller, director of the Immigration Justice Campaign at the American Immigration Council, a nonprofit advocacy group, and in Washington, D.C., Adolfo Franco, a Republican strategist and former official of the Latin American and Caribbean Bureau of the U.S. Agency for International Development. A warm welcome to you all. I'd like to start with Richard Goodstein first. Uh, Richard, Title 42 has come to an end. That was very severe restrictions on migration during the pandemic brought in by President Donald Trump. Uh, we've got a new policy now brought in by President Joe Biden. Substantially, what's different? Look, uh, Joe Biden is trying to do something that presidents have been trying to do for decades. Um, and they're hamstrung by the fact that Congress refuses to um, pass comprehensive immigration reform. Um, let, let me just say one thing about what he's not doing. Remember, um, the Republicans, Donald Trump particularly, called for a Muslim ban. Um, he said that the only Christians should be allowed in as immigrants. Uh, he separated children from their parents as a way to penalize immigrants. What Joe Biden is trying to do is both a humane approach and an approach that um, recognizes that there's a reason that people seek asylum in the United States. So last night they issued a very strong statement saying that there's a right way and a wrong way to try to seek entry. Um, and if you go the wrong way, for at least a five-year minimum, you will not be considered for entry into the United States no matter what. Um, but by the same token, there's a recognition that there's a shortage of workers in the United States in healthcare, um, on farms, in childcare, in restaurants, uh, and that we need actually uh, hardworking people in the United States who come through legally. So Joe Biden is trying to kind of walk that line um, between doing something that recognizes the United States as a country of immigrants, um, but trying not to. Uh, con- convey the message, which he did quite loudly last night, that the border is not open, that people should not um, give in to what smugglers want to do um, and should go through a legal asylum-seeking method, and that's it. Uh, Alex Miller, the words humane approach have been used there by Richard Goodstein. We've heard that from Democrats quite a lot. We've also heard that this is the correct way of doing it. Is Biden's policy a reasonable policy? My read is not quite the same. I understand that the Biden administration is trying to do a really challenging thing with its hands tied behind its back in a certain way. But with the announcement of the new asylum transit ban yesterday, we're taking this a step too far. The needle is too difficult to thread. What this transit ban means is that asylum seekers at the border will face a rebuttable presumption that they do not qualify for asylum unless they seek asylum through incredibly narrow means using a phone app called CBP-1, which is difficult to use and has limited spaces, or if they first seek asylum in a transit country. 
What this will mean in practice is that people with bona fide fear claims may be returned to their countries of origin despite the real risk of persecution. And, and that's not where we want to land. Adolfo Franco, the floodgates are open now, right? That's surely what you think. Correct. So tell well, us why. Oh, the floodgates have been open because of the disastrous policies of this administration. And your guest, Alex, sort of alluded to the fact that the, this administration is now at the very last hour for political reasons and because of a crisis they created, have now reverted in part to the policies of the previous administration that, of course, were working fantastically and brilliantly on the border. But there are a couple of things that need correction here. There has never been, and I want to be clear on this network particularly, a Muslim ban. Uh, there, has, there was a ban that President Trump, Trump tried to implement to, for a period of time, to ban immigration from countries that were in a high terrorist list. Some of those countries were, were primarily Muslim countries. There was never a Muslim ban. That's just a falsehood in the first 10, and anyone can look that up and see it. Uh, number one. Uh, number two, the policies of the Trump administration were and worked out with Mexico, a remain in Mexico policy, which this administration is trying to do again, to bring about an orderly system that people could have their claims adjudicated, but a very strict border policy of legal migration only. You heard two, your two guests allude to two different things here, and this is their contradictions. Richard mentioned the real reality, which is people flooding into the country for economic reasons. We mentioned restaurants, workers, and so forth, and didn't say this, but somehow alluded to that somehow that's okay to have floods of people uh, coming to the country without being vetted from all over the world, by the way, not just Central America and, and Mexico. Alex is referring to the asylum cases. Well, we know the reality. I'm a lawyer. I worked Latin America issues all of my life. I headed the Latin America Bureau. I was on the border numerous times. The vast, vast majority is what Richard alluded to. These are economic refugees, people trying to come to the country because they want a better life. There is a need. There's a labor uh, ability here. Very, very few people under our law, as a lawyer, I can tell you, qualify for political asylum in the United States. They have to have persecution. Doesn't mean crime. Doesn't mean a bad standard of living. Right. So the reality is, uh, for two or three years, we had, wink, wink, an open border policy, in effect, by the reversal of the effective Trump policies. Now, at the last minute, some of these policies, again, are being trying to be implemented, uh, but the, it's going to be very difficult since you have 10 to 12,000 people now projected to come across the border on a daily basis. So the system will be flooded. What does that mean? People will be given, there will be paroled. In the U.S. law, that means people will be allowed into the Adolfo, country. Adolfo, you made, it, you made some very interesting days, points. You made some very interesting it, it, points. Years I do from now, wanna... and they will never show up. Well, I, let's put this to Richard Goldstein. Uh, Richard, you've heard what uh, Adolfo has been saying. Your policy just doesn't go far enough. Well, again, let's be clear. Go back. Don't take my word for it. Uh, Google will show you that there were many, not just Donald Trump, many Republican candidates that called for a Muslim ban when they were running for president in 2015 and 2016, ultimately uh, faced with the reality, once Donald Trump won, he, he didn't limit that. Um, but in his heart of hearts, he said it quite clearly, he wanted a Muslim ban. So let's not kid ourselves about that. And, and he did 
because what he and his allies, the Republican allies, said is that immigrants make the United States dirtier and poorer. That's the way they look at the world. Um, no, I don't think uh, these people who would help the job scene in the United States uh, are doing it for economic reasons. That's not why they're they may they're people who were fleeing gangs, uh, mothers and fathers who were told, unless your children ally with our gangs, we will kill you and them. Um, you, tell me what that is. I, I it sounds like something that I would certainly want to flee if I had the opportunity and if it meant uh, walking thousands of miles through desert and heat uh, to do. Uh, it sounds like the alternative is much worse. So, again, I think um, Biden has turned back 1.5 million people have been deported. That's not Biden's number. That's Border Patrol officials saying that. So tell them that the border is open. They didn't see it that way. Uh, Alex, it, let me... Uh, Adolfo, it, it, no, Adolfo it, 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 so, sorry, one second. But, but Adolfo, my, I'm going to bring my Alex in was, here. My not. name was invoked here. My, my, my name was invoked here for okay, a moment. Well, I'll let you go. And, and I, have to say, go I have to say just a couple of things. Uh, let me pick up first on his point about the Muslim ban. First of all, I've never used Google as an authority for anything, and much less uh, for something as serious as this. Uh, there has never been a Muslim ban. There will never be a Muslim ban. And if there's anybody that's pro-Arab in the region, it's President Trump. The Abraham Accords, I just returned from the region, from the United Arab Emirates, where he's immensely popular. Saudi Arabia, President Biden called it a pariah state uh, in attacking uh, the Saudis, our, our allies. President Trump is, is the most pro-Muslim, pro-Arab president we've ever had. And anyone in the region can tell you that. Okay, Adolfo, I'm gonna, I, Adolfo, I am going to no, stop no, you there because the, point the show... Of this program, if I can, but if I can Once... very quickly on, on, on what the, these allegations that were made about <laughs> the, 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 the policies and so forth. First, you can't have it both ways, Richard. You just said earlier that people were coming here to work in restaurants. Now you're talking about uh, persecution. Let me be clear. Under our law, crimes and gangs and, and fear of, the, of those things are not a basis for political asylum. This is not political persecution. I'm a lawyer. I've worked these issues. It's just these people do not qualify. It's a horrible situation economically and crime, but just fleeing because you have a high crime rate in Mexico or Central America is not a basis in and of itself for political asylum. Everyone that, in America knows these are economic refugees. Adolfo, I am going to stop you there because... I'm going to stop you there because I want to bring in Alex Miller. Alex, what you've heard from both of our guests right now is essentially the debate in America over immigration in kind of a nutshell. For somebody like you who works in advocacy, it's got to be frustrating when you can't move the needle on either side because of the opinions of both sides. Yeah, I mean, this is incredibly frustrating. Of course, this is a difficult time, but I think we need to take a step back and, and look, about, look at the fundamental principles standing behind uh, asylum. And we can't only look at, do, uh, at uh, rule of law when we're talking about exclusion and enforcement. Rule of law also means our constitutional bedrocks. It means access to due process. It means having a, 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 a real way to defend your claims and your rights in an American court. And Adolfo is right. Not every asylum seeker will ultimately uh, succeed in their claim, but they have a right to move forward with that claim. And also to, um, to the other point about 
Um, whether people are fleeing real persecution or not, asylum is not only for political fears. It is for people fleeing persecution based on their nationality, on their race, on their religious beliefs, or people that are members of a particular social group like the LGBTQ community. And those individuals are facing real harms and are often returned sometimes to their death despite our asylum procedures. Asylum is failing certain people. I want to talk about the politics of this right now because we've managed to swing into this. Let's explore that. Uh, Richard Goodstein, I want to bring this up. There's very rarely a sensible discussion, particularly in the run-up to an election, on immigration issues. It is a hot-button issue and something that, you know, people lose elections on. There's no real winner in the, in the immigration debate, right? So no-one actually wins this. Uh, the United States well, wins... I, I if, if, Congress is, if Congress is able to pass a comprehensive immigration reform bill, which the United States Senate, with 68 senators, including noted communists like Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio, supported in 2013. This was a bill of $46 billion in border security and uh, took uh, care of the dreamers, children that came into the United States, uh, with their parents and who've now grown up here, and other ways basically beefed up the immigration process in the United States. When people talk about we need immigration reform, that bill passed with, again, a very strong bipartisan um, majority and would have passed the House of Representatives, but the Republican speaker at the time refused to allow it to be considered. Republicans want this as an issue. They don't want this resolved. They, they want the issue because they think it lights a fire under their right-wing anti-immigrant base, okay? That's why they don't want it resolved. The American public wants two things. They want security and they want humanity. They want a process for people who have genuine asylum claims to be heard. Uh, the Republicans don't want that. They, yeah. they only want to focus on these bad people coming in. Uh, Alex, I'm going to come to you in a minute, well, but Adolfo, this is a hot-button issue that the Republicans yeah. need to win. What do you think of that? Well, let, well, let me let me do a little bit of a reality check here, if I may. First of all, the only uh, comprehensive or large immigration reform ever done in recent history was done under President Reagan in the 1980s. Uh, the bill that uh, that Richard's referring to was a Bush administration initiative um, at the end of the Bush administration uh, by President Bush. I worked on it. Secretary Carlos Gutierrez worked on it. I'll tell you who voted against it. Senator Barack Obama, that's who voted against that bill that Richard is making a reference to. When President Obama was elected, he was uh, president with a supermajority. No, he was president uh, in 2013. Uh, uh, that, no, I, I, Richard, Richard, I didn't interrupt you. Barack Obama, Senator Obama, voted against the bill that Richard is referring to. In 2008, when he was elected president and he had a supermajority of 60, enough to not have a filibuster in the Senate, he promised, and Alex will tell you this, immigration reform as a priority in his first two years when he had supermajorities. He elected not to do that. He focused on health care and later mentioned and agreed on Spanish television, which I do, that, yes, he broke his promise. So if anybody doesn't want the reforms, he referred to Senator Graham, to Senator Rubio, to Senator McCain, who I worked for. All of these individuals were pushing immigration reform. That is the reality. We are pro, a pro-immigration uh, party, pro-legal immigration. Lastly, to earlier point, to Alex's point, 
The fact of the matter is she's right. There are cases where if your nationality, you're persecuted for this, if you're persecuted because you're a member of a minority group, gay rights and so forth. This is These people are entitled to an asylum hearing, but there are two things that the viewers need to understand. First of all, that's a minuscule number of the economic refugees that are coming into the country, and every American knows it. Secondly, unfortunately, they're gaming the system. Hundreds of thousands of people trying to enter the country, they're overwhelmed, they're giving court dates in the future for either asylum or other reasons, and then they just go into the shadows and that they never show up and they become illegal immigrants in the country, which is a travesty horribly for them. That is the reality of America today, and it is not a Republican problem. It is a bipartisan problem, I'll recognize that, but the only true initiatives in recent history have been driven by Republican presidents and senators. Alex Miller, it's such a hot-button issue. Everybody talks about this, but here we are, both sides blaming each other for this. What's the most frustrating thing for you when you're trying to speak to politicians, trying to get them to push through legislation? Is it a bipartisan issue? Is it a Republican issue? Is it a Democrat issue? What is it for you? I mean, this is an issue for every American. It, 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 it extends beyond party, beyond Democrat, beyond Republican. It's a, it's a human issue. And we need to try to find empathy uh, when we're looking for solutions. I, I think there's a fundamental question about what does it look like to succeed in immigration reform? Are, are we trying to exclude as many people as possible? Is that where we find our wins? I would think that the goal is actually to create a system that expeditiously uh, supports people to, to seek asylum while maintaining their access to due process, ensuring that they have access to counsel, and also creating lawful pathways for individuals to, to, to come here outside of the framework of asylum. Uh, but I think it's important to remember, you know, people throw around, around the word illegal immigration really broadly. It is lawful to seek asylum regardless of your manner of entry. And instead of, you know, xenophobic rhetoric and, and throwing asylum seekers under the bus, we need to make sure that we're protecting those most vulnerable. But Alex, Alex, there well, is illegal immigration. There is economic migration. Yes. All of these things exist. We're not talking really about asylum seekers here. We, what, the, what Richard, what um, Adolfo Franco, what right. the Democrats and Republicans really actually mean when they talk about immigration is this kind of illegal economic migration. That's always going to happen, but how do you deal with that reasonably? I mean, it, it's an incredibly challenging issue, but uh, like we were talking about earlier, there are economic needs in this country. There is a need for labor. And so beyond the asylum problem, uh, beyond the tensions at the border, finding realistic, lawful pathways for, for migrants to come here for economic reasons is also part of the solution. Uh, Richard Goodstein, sure. the economic illegal migration, which is what the Republicans really mean when they talk about people flooding out into our, into our country. The Democrats don't ever seem to have a winning argument here. That is a failure of policy, right? Uh, I would disagree, and here's uh, Exhibit A. In 2018, uh, Fox News and the Republicans talked about this caravan. You recall it, I'm sure. Um, that was people streaming through Mexico about to flood into the United States. And guess what happened? The Democrats won an overwhelming victory in the midterm elections in 2018 because most people, again, 
the right-wing anti-immigrant base of the United, of the Republicans eats that stuff up. But everybody else is nauseated by that because they understand that there are uh, multiple ways to deal with immigration and scaring people about immigrants is not a winning strategy. That's not it. That's not fair. It's not what people want to hear. Most open-minded people understand that this is multifaceted and there's both a security element and there's an element about recognizing legitimate asylum claims. So I, I disagree with the premise that this is somehow a winning issue, just like taking on democracy. That's a Republicans love to undermine democracy. Trump people do. Um, most people are turned off by that, and they're turned off by this bashing of immigrants as well. Adolfo Franco, you're shaking your head there. Tell me why. <laughs> well, we got to the, the democracy, the, the the president who is is waving all kinds of. Uh, 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 waving around his pen with executive orders and has, has been beaten back by the courts, including on immigration, by the way, by the Florida courts uh, this week on his policy uh, of trying to release people. So we'll we'll see we'll see about democracy uh, as implemented by by uh, President Biden. But going to the to the other uh, the issue, uh, okay, uh, uh, Richard, uh, continue with these policies. The polls indicate something very differently. They indicate that seventy two percent of the American people opposed uh, the immigration policies of this administration and ranked the border uh, insecurity as very high. I completely agree with Alex that the need that we need workers here and, and, and uh, an orderly system, but you have to secure the border first. You have to have sovereignty. You have to have a border security policy that makes sense. We don't have that. The president is now uh, dispatching 1,500 troops, federal troops, something Democrats uh, uh, criticized President Trump uh, for suggesting, and now they're doing that, and I understand adding more. Uh, you know, I live here in Washington, D.C. I've got a lot of friends at the White House, and I can tell you this. President Biden in private, and this has been reported as well in part, is furious over what has happened in the border. He does not view it as Richard, uh, that this is, you know, just this is fine. The American people are level-headed. The American people are concerned about what is turning into an uncontrollable situation. We have had declared this week emergencies, emergencies throughout the United States in cities, uh, including Democrat-controlled cities, and not just in Texas, as far away as Illinois, because of this border crisis. President Biden referred to it two days ago as Adelpha, chaos. we are running out of time. I those, want to those, come to... Those, those were his words. Sorry, we are running out of time. I want to come to Alex Miller. There is fear-mongering, and it is on both sides of the divide. Fear-mongering is the one thing that stops a sensible conversation happening on immigration. How do you get over that? I think it's really hard. Um, you, you know, to, to Adolfo's points, you know, Biden is facing censure from both sides. Um, and, and part of that is because at the same time that he's creating and implementing incredibly exclusionary policies like this asylum transit ban, like the plans to increase expedited removal in CBP custody um, without adequate access to counsel, he's also creating lawful pathways and trying to um, get in front of misinformation that uh, organized transnational crime groups are using to encourage folks to come here. I, I would encourage people to, to try to look to empathy and to think about uh, migrants at the border not as 
you know, numbers, not as this wave, but as individuals with personal stories who deserve to have an opportunity to tell them and deserve an opportunity to seek protection. I, I've been working at the border for, for over four years now, and the types of stories I've heard are, are absolutely heartbreaking, not just the stories from, from people's countries of origin, where they're coming from, but also the stories of people forced to live indefinitely at the border. And, and what I know for sure is we can't use policies that are actually the agents of chaos, like Title 42, as a solution for chaos. Title 42 has not been effective. Title 42 continuing on indefinitely is not a solution. We need a meaningful way for people to be able to seek asylum at ports and beyond the border to think about alternate solutions for lawful pathways for people to come to the United States who don't have fear-based claims. Uh, I want to thank all our guests, Richard Goodstein, Alexandra Miller and Adolfo Franco. This episode was produced by Devin Fleming, Alba Klar, Uncle Sulm Sharif and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Aston Goodison and the programme was edited by Vishnu Sheila, Lynn Engwin and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Monday for our next edition. This week on The Take, in Turkey, a broad coalition has come together with the goal of turning the page on Erdogan's presidency. Will it succeed? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.